lovely to be with you. One day uh, at home, my dad came into my room and he said to me, son, I need to borrow some of your Lego. Now you can imagine I was somewhat concerned by this. And so being a very serious four-year-old, I said to my dad, well, come in, sit down, tell me, why is it that you need to borrow my Lego? And he said, son, I need it so that I can use it to tell a story. And it turned out that my dad uh, was on Sunday school at church that morning. And he had been asked to tell this story about the paralysed man. And he was going to use my Lego to illustrate it. And so I think most of us know the story. Uh, Some friends have a a friend who is paralysed. And so they decide, they've heard about this Jesus guy, and they think, maybe he can heal them. So they bring him to Jesus, but they can't get in the house. And so they decide to go up on the roof. And this is where I think uh, perhaps Luke is a little bit too delicate in his, uh, in his description, in his use of language. Because he says, uh, they lowered him through the tiles. Now, Just picture the scene for a moment. There's a paralysed man, so he can't move. He's a dead weight. There's there's nothing he can do. He's presumably quite heavy. And so they can't get into the house. So they probably it was probably a a flat roofed house. And so they probably had to drag him up the ladder on the side of the house, get onto the roof, and then they literally started ripping bits of the roof off so they could make a hole big enough to put a man inside. And we know how the rest of the story goes. Uh, They lowered him down, he was at the feet of Jesus, and he was healed. And that's a brilliant, uh, lovely story. But I think there's something uh, slightly more to it than that. I think that's our kind of Sunday school remembering of this story. But in this series that we've just started, uh, going through the Gospel of Luke, together we want to look slightly deeper at these stories and understand when Jesus did these things and he said these things, what was it that he was trying to say about himself? What was it that he was trying uh, to teach us? One commentary which I read uh, on this story this week had this lovely line in it. Uh, which said that Jesus has just painted a picture in this story uh, that speaks more about himself than a library full of books on Christology. Now Christology is a a complicated word which is is made up by theologians. So it's it's a a branch of theology that uh, concerns itself with studying who is the person of Jesus. Theologians have written loads of books on this where they go through the Bible, they look at the stories, they look at the sayings of Jesus and they try and construct him, they try and understand who it was that he was. And so what this uh, commentary writer is trying to say is that you could take a whole load of books on this subject, these books that talk about the person of Jesus. This story which we've just read together says more about who Jesus is, than all of those books put together. And so we're going to try and uh, look at that together. But why don't I pray before we do that? Father God, we thank you for the richness of this text that we have before us. 
And Father, I ask that as we uh, look at it together, as we seek to understand uh, what it is that you are doing uh, when you healed this man, that you would uh, be with us, you would open our eyes uh, to your word, and that we would uh, understand more of who you are, Lord. Amen. So I have to say that the main point of this text is not that the man was healed. The first thing that we should pick up on is that Jesus is starting to get himself noticed. Religious leaders have traveled from all around the country to hear him speak in this house. The Pharisees and the uh, the teachers of the law. They were essentially, in Jesus' time, the religious police, if you like. They were, their job was to ensure that the nation of the people of God kept themselves holy. They were to make sure that the Jewish people continue to worship God rightly. And so uh, they are, they're there, they've heard about Jesus. And the place is quite literally packed to the rafters. And then Luke gives us a lovely hint of what's about to happen. He says that the healing power of God was on Jesus. One of the other interesting things about Luke's gospel is that because of Luke's medical background, so Tim told us last week that Luke was a doctor, he has a particular interest in these healing miracles. And we get more detail than in some of the other gospel accounts. In this case, we are told that the man was paralyzed. This man could literally do nothing for himself. Jesus, Jesus tells us, uh, Luke, sorry, Luke tells us that his friends uh, bring him to the house, but they can't get in. Most people would likely uh, turn away, or perhaps they would wait until the crowd had left the house and they could go and speak to Jesus. But so desperate are they that to, to bring their friend to Jesus, uh, that they break through the roof of a building that they do not own so that they can bring their friend to Jesus now. Whilst Jesus is turning heads with his preaching, they are turning heads with their DIY skills and their faith as they break down the roof and the dust comes down. And all of a sudden... This man is lowered to the feet of Jesus. And Jesus looks at him. And the stage is set for Jesus to announce himself. When Jesus saw their faith, so the faith of the friends crowding down, looking on their friend. He said, friend, your sins are forgiven. Now, I don't know about you, but I'm not sure that was exactly what everybody was expecting. We've already heard that the power of, Jesus, the power of God to heal the sick was on Jesus. Perhaps that is what these religious leaders were coming to see. They'd heard he'd healed people elsewhere, and they wanted to check him out for themselves. And imagine if Jesus had simply healed the paralytic man. Everybody would have gone away happy. But Jesus is out to prove more than that. Friend, your sins are forgiven. 
This statement causes huge consternation amongst the religious leaders that have come to see Jesus. They're outraged. It's blasphemy. God and only God can forgive sins, they say. Of course, they've got that almost right. We heard from Tim last week that Jesus has announced himself in chapter 4 as the fulfillment of the prophecy on Isaiah, that the spirit of the sovereign Lord is is upon me uh, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favour, to heal the sick and all that kind of stuff. He's starting to hint at his true identity. And we, the reader, know the stories of uh, Jesus' birth and his baptism. So we know his true identity. But up till now, to the uh, religious leaders and those around him, he's just another rabbi or another teacher. But by saying that he can forgive sins, Jesus is taking things to a whole other level. He's essentially saying, if God is the only one that can forgive sins, that he's God. But he's not doing it in a, in a brash way. Neither does he actually call himself the son of God. In the passage, we see him at calling himself the son of man. And this is the first time uh, that we hear Jesus use this title to refer to himself in Luke's gospel. And it kind of made me wonder, why does he use it? Why not just call himself the son of God? And so I, I did a bit of research this week. And I discovered that the, um, the phrase son of man, the title, in the original Aramaic language that Jesus would have been speaking, um, simply meant somebody. Or it was a, a roundabout way of talking about yourself. But being quite nondescript, it didn't mean anything special. It didn't have any particular meaning. By calling himself the son of man, Jesus was... Uh, actually showing great humility. He wasn't saying, look at me, I'm the son of God. He's letting his actions do the talking. And of course, we understand that that son of man has more significance as we go through. It's him saying that I'm both the son of God and the son of man, that I'm, I'm both and, I'm both God and man. But at this time, he's being quite subtle. And what about these teachers that Jesus has angered uh, by his claims? Well, he knows exactly what they're thinking. And so he says, what's easier? To say to this man that your sins are forgiven or get up and walk? Why does he do that? Well, I think he's demonstrating his authority both to deal with the man's earthly circumstance as he has been doing. But again, he's going a step further. He's saying that not only does he have the power to alter this man's uh, earthly circumstance, which is ultimately temporary, he has the power to deal with his eternal circumstance. That's obviously not visible. It's not something that he can prove. You can't see when somebody's sins are forgiven. But he's saying by... And showing by healing this paralyzed man. If I can do this, what more can I do? That's the point of this story. Not that Jesus heals a man of a lifelong, yes, 
but eternally temporary condition. But that he has the power to do even more than that. To change his eternal circumstance. But he doesn't do it in a brash way. He simply allows his actions to speak for him. I think that's why I love this story. I love uh, the way that Luke describes it. And the way that Luke portrays Jesus. He portrays him as both uh, humble yet totally confident. Bold yet not brash. Confronting but not affronting. Jesus knows how to get through to these people and to make them understand. But what is it that we can learn from this story today? What is it that we can take away with us? I think that there are three ways that we might be able to apply this story uh, to our lives. Perhaps today you need to be encouraged by uh, the faith of the friends. We don't know anything about whether the, the paralyzed man himself had a faith. Because Jesus said, uh, what G- we know from what Luke says, that Jesus was uh, talking about the faith of the friends. It was their faith which led to the man being healed. And so perhaps uh, you need to be encouraged. Maybe you've been praying for somebody for a very long time. And perhaps nothing you've not seen anything happen. The faith of the friends in this story uh, was rewarded. So be encouraged by that. Or perhaps this is a challenge to you. Perhaps you've uh, been discouraged in prayer. And uh, this is a good time to think, who should I be praying for? Uh, Maybe I can do bold things in faith. Maybe I can invite somebody to church. Our Alpha course is starting soon. Maybe this is an encouragement to you uh, to invite somebody on the Alpha course. Or perhaps... Uh, For some of us, um, we need to be encouraged by the man himself. Yes, we don't know anything about his faith before he was healed. But we do know that he left praising and worshipping God. Perhaps we've forgotten where God has been faithful to us in our lives. And we should be praising God for what he's already done for us. But perhaps the... Uh, Most important point for us to remember this morning, uh, this afternoon rather, uh, as we come to communion. It's just like the uh, paralyzed man was powerless to bring himself before Jesus. We are powerless to forgive our own sins. Only God can do that. Just as the paralyzed man was laid at the feet of Jesus, one day we will bow before the throne powerless to save ourselves. And we long to hear Jesus say, friend, your sins are forgiven. So I wonder this afternoon, as we come to communion and the confession particularly, I wonder if I might invite us to, when we say uh, those words of the confession, which I think are lovely in English, uh, where it says, from time, the sins which we from time to time commit. Why don't we imagine ourselves as that paralyzed man laid before the feet of Jesus, completely powerless to do anything for ourselves? Why don't we imagine that as we, as we come to confession, that we are powerless to do anything about our own sin? And why don't we hear God as we, as we say those words, say over us, friend, uh, your sins are forgiven. And as we come to take bread and wine, why don't we remember uh, the 
the sacrifice that God, that Jesus made on the cross. That this uh, story of forgiveness is just a foretaste of what Jesus was to do for the whole of humanity. That he was to go to the cross and sacrifice himself. So that when uh, we meet him face to face, he can say to us, friend, your sins are forgiven. Amen.